it's like a knife in my heart every time, but I've gotten a lot better at viewing this as something, okay, this is feedback. Now, how can we take this and learn from it or whatever we take from it other than just feeling personally victimized? You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. I bet you're wondering what have you gotten yourself into? Don't worry, my friends. In short, it is going to be a good time. We're going to have great conversation. And you know what? There's going to be a little bit of learning along the way. And you're going to get that through really insightful interviews with top marketers and thought leaders. I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in this world of marketing. I'm here to offer you engaging and informational discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. In this episode, it's a special one. We've got a twofer for you. We've got Clara and William from Curtsy. Now, William is, he is a founder of Curtsy, an app that makes it easy for women to buy and sell clothes online. He is really focused on growing the business through improving the user experience and running Curtsy's growth marketing efforts. Clara is the co-founder and head of community and people ops at Curtsy. She's got a full plate as well, my friends. Passionate about empowering women, she's dedicated to make fashion resale effortless by building a thriving community and reshaping the future of fashion. So let's get to it. Let's talk marketing. Let's talk retention marketing. William and Clara, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys on here. It's a little different spin for this episode. Yes. Hi. How are you doing? Glad to be here. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about retention marketing and what you guys are doing at Curtsy that feeds into that and the value of it. But before we do that, let's dive in and get to know both of you just a little bit better. Always start off with a like a kind of where you started question. So I'd love to hear from both of you. What was your first job that kind of had to do with sort of the space that you're in or just your first job in general? And then we'll take a look at where you're at now. Awesome. So first job, meaning maybe post-grad or just all in general? Let's do post-grad. Yeah. So technically post-grad, Curtsy is my first job. We have been out. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Eight years now. And in college, I had a major that was journalism and marketing and all over the place. So in college, I did have several marketing-related jobs and worked for several different startups in Oxford. But yeah, as for first job postgrad, Curtsy's it so far. Oh, you're not doing so bad. I like that. What about you, William? Yeah, worked a few odd jobs in college, started some businesses and then, yeah, started Curtsy right after school. So this is first job. Yeah. These are both in the thick of it. Did you think that you would be in this kind of place? Because it's very entrepreneurial. So have you guys always had that spirit? I have, yeah, and, and to some degree, Claire Agnes, you know, she's def- definitely helped out over the years. To give some background also for the listeners, William and I are siblings, so you might catch on to that throughout the episode through different different things. But yeah, William has always been, had a crazy entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, he was hiring me in fourth grade for every odd job under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> We have worked together for the last eight years with Curtsy, but really my entire life doing any kind of odd jobs. You've definitely started who knows how many businesses at this point. It's been forced family fun for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) 
here for it. You guys are definitely doing something right if you've been doing this at Curtsy for the last eight years. What do you, what are your current roles within the company? Yeah, so I focus on product and growth marketing and growth kind of encompasses acquisition as well as trying to increase the lifetime value of customers and make sure that we're keep people around for a long time. And I work with William through that, and I am here closely with our customer support, but I also work a lot with our marketing team. So I work with, closely with William marketing and growth-wise. This, the, I guess, aspect of marketing I work more closely with is our socials, emails, that sort. William works closely also with our ads. I like that. It's a very good balance of how you guys have the whole spectrum of marketing covered. Now, in your positions, what do you love about what you do? But conversely, if I had my magic wand and I could say, you no longer have to do this, what would that be? So let's start with the positive. What do you love about what you do? And then I'll bring out my wand. (laughs) For me, at least, the general aspect, I, I have my foot in a lot of different areas at Curtsy. And I love that every day I'm doing something different. There's different tasks in customer support or with the people we work with or in marketing. So I like that it changes pretty often. There's always a, a new interesting task to, to conquer. Maybe the things I don't love probably rely more. And in, in marketing, though, things I do love are being able to have really fun marketing campaigns and work across teams with our Inge and with growth to push across a campaign. And we are still a pretty small team headcount-wise, which means we get to bring ideas to fruition pretty quick. So it's not instant gratification, but it's I know a lot of friends that work at really large companies where it might be more than a year before some marketing idea comes to fruition, where at a curtsy, it could be a matter of weeks so that's what I love. Things that I don't love are... She hasn't brought out the wand yet, though. Oh, brought out the wand. Okay. I love that he's sticking to the rules, too. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What she you- said, first things first. What yeah. do you love, William? And then yeah. I'll bring out my wand. I, I appreciate the, the diversity of things to get to work on and the creativity that we try to bring into our marketing and growth campaigns just to make things more interesting and try to have... Yeah, Try to enjoy the campaigns, break the mold, and just another email, just another marketing campaign, and really see the yeah the user interactions from those. In the early days, we we did marketing and it was crickets. Back when Curtsy was a peer to peer rental platform, you couldn't really do much to drive demand. But now that it's buy and sell, we have a lot more products, and there's much more opportunistic shopping. It's much more interesting when you can run a, a campaign to incentivize some action in the app, and then see direct kind of gratification for that. To go off of that, other things that I love here, I'll, this is an example of something I love. I work closely with our customers and in customer support, so I'm seeing reviews left and right of what people are leaving with Curtsy. I see the negative ones for sure, and I also see the positive ones. One I saw yesterday, Curtsy is the best resale app. I've tried so many different ones, but this is the best one that works for me. I've made over $3,000. It's changed everything. Thank you, Curtsy. You know, I love reading those in our socials, in our DMs. I love reading firsthand accounts from our customers or people who use Curtsy about what they're loving and how it's changed their life or changed some aspect for them. I feel like that is very gratifying. Not only is the business working, but the marketing is also working as well, too. All things are pointing in the right direction. Are you ready for it? William, I'm pulling out my wand. <laughs> what? Can't wait for this. what would you remove from what you're doing? 
Oh yeah, the just administration part of owning. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 I know. It just yeah, you know, when it's your own company, it comes with a lot of freedom, but it also comes with responsibility and yeah, compliance and just paperwork. In essence, is is a lot of what it is. So I think that's. I think really I should probably do a better job of um, figure out how to take that off my plate, but work with But progress. it's important, yeah. Mine was pretty similar, more administration things. I also, it's a love-hate relationship with customer support. I was the only customer support representative, what you would call it, for the first maybe two years or something. I was answering phones all day and night. We'd be out at the bar with friends. I'm answering courtesy customer support, but I'm still very involved with it. So I think I hate when we get really bad responses to things or people are really upset about something or we release a feature that does have a bug that's frustrating. The aspect I love is I actually have control to be able to see that. I don't have to sit with it. We can change it. But it is always hard, of course, to read negative feedback I about currency. Where you were going with a low-paid lunch. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I love-hate our customers. That's yeah. not what you said. <laughs> but it is very true. I think also, not only do you work there, this is your business. So when people don't have a positive experience, and here's the truth, like you can't please everybody. And we all know that, right? Fundamentally, our brains understand this, but it, man, doesn't it hurt when someone just doesn't also just love you? <laughs> well, and you know, it gets me, it's like a, like a knife in my heart every time, but I've gotten a lot better at viewing this as something, okay, this is feedback. Now, how can we take this and learn from it or whatever we take from it other than just feeling personally victimized? Yeah. I love that personally victimized. I'm going to write that down. So I just in the space, especially because you guys are in the app space, right? You've got to be like, you have to have your fingers on the pulse of like all of the trends that are happening, especially with social media. So I'm curious, how do you stay up to date on trends? Do you rely on social networks? And if you do, which ones do you go for kind of inspiration, aspiration, and education or entertainment? Do you go to social networks or do you have podcasts, newsletters, books, something else that you go to to stay up to date on just kind of digital trends to ensure that you, you're you never behind the eight ball? Yeah, I think digital trends are tough. You know, there's the, the macro like platform trends and marketing strategies and the day-to-day uh, trends on socials. One of the things we were talking about earlier was Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey t- took over the internet all summer. Oh but- my goodness, I know. Hopefully they're still together um, by the time this <laughs> podcast goes yeah, out. It's right, it's right, yeah. That'll be very timely, huh? <laughs> we, yeah. we never know, yeah. And I think from the, the platform trends, you have to learn by doing, I think. It's when people find a an angle or something that's working, they generally don't broadcast it because they only last for a short amount of time. And you know, the company or marketers trying to really get the most out of that technique or kind of strategy that, that they're using to grow their account or get get likes or views. And that, but the trends that happen on whether it's a meme or just a cultural phenomenon, we try to take part in that as much as we can by you know, making lists and curating marketing campaigns around those things. Just using Taylor Swift example, we did a bunch of Eras tours, content, yeah. made lists, put collections together, work with influencers to share outfit ideas and Pinterest inspiration. So those are a few ways we try to stay 
in the game? We definitely have, for sure. We also have an intern in college who works with our social team. And so she is on top of any and all content trends before they even happen. So Ava, Ava's, Ava's really with it. And Alex runs our socials as well. They both act very quickly. I think as soon as Taylor Swift eras months ago, whenever it began, started to get a little popularity. I mean, they've already created all of these lists in the app, have emails queued up. Well, a lot of the times, by the time we even find out about these, I'm getting a curtsy email with a list that is personally curated, ready to shop to go to Taylor Swift. So that's more of like the oh, weekly, nice. yeah. But then in general, William, we were both avid readers. So William is always reading about a thousand different business books. And it's currently reading one you shared with me yesterday. So I think I listen to podcasts. I don't even know how much. Every year my Spotify yearly comes out with, you've listened to X amount of hours of podcasts. So I'm a big podcaster. He's a big reader. From those, I think that's how we probably more stay on top of things. Yeah, stamp on like trends and business. And I think it's all about having the growth mindset as a business as well too, to make, you know, to keep your business strong and continue to grow it as well as staying on top of just trends. It is nice to have someone in the space that always has their eyeballs on social because I think like even if I wanted to stay well, I do want to stay up today. I shouldn't make it seem like I don't, but like that it's time consuming. And I think it's very, it can be undervalued depending on what brand and what company you're working for of truly watching the trends and coming up with creative ways to use the trends, right? Because I think that's also how you stand out when you are like hopping on a trend that's going. It's not enough just to do the dance. Are you doing it creatively? Are you doing it in a pool? Are you doing it on top of a roof? That's not what I'm advocating, but you get what I'm saying. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think women I work well together in this sense, he is very big picture. So he's always thinking big picture about curtsy, which means an area where he lacks is details, which is what I focus on. I'm very detail-oriented, day-to-day, week-to-week, more broad thinking, quarterly about the business, which is, I think, why we work well together and maybe why sometimes we don't... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We're your siblings. You're siblings. You can't get out of that. (laughs) You were born that way, but yeah, and I think so. That's where he reads about, I guess, new trends in the market and he's he typically will come to a meeting. I'm thinking of what we're launching next week. And he's like, all right, so what do we think about this idea? And it's some really big, like, I don't know, some crazy way to change all the way we're thinking. But I think that's how we both approach. You need that balance. You need that balance. And what I really liked, you know, when we originally spoke, you were, you're like, Let's talk about, I kind of led the witness, but we did mention retention marketing and you're like, we've got to pull in William for this because this is like definitely one of his passions. It's what he's focused on. So I'm really excited to be just like, our next step is diving into the strategy. So let's talk about retention marketing. And this is going to sound so silly, but I believe in clear communication. Well, that doesn't sound silly, but I believe in clear communication. And I'd love for you guys to define what you mean by retention marketing, because oftentimes I think there are these marketing terms that everyone uses, but they all mean slightly different things. So I really want to make sure that our listeners will know that when we're talking about retention marketing, we're talking about how are you defining that? Yeah. I think it's easy to define, you know, the way we think about it is how do we bring customers back to the product and have them be interested in what we have to sell. And I think 
yeah, on that, we think of retention marketing as bringing back interested customers just as a little nudge, a reminder of, oh, we're here. Don't forget about Curtsy. People who already had a great experience with Curtsy or who have already loved Curtsy, who just need a little nudge or reminder that we're here. I don't think for us or potentially anyone, retention marketing is going to work to bring back people who had a negative experience or who aren't interested in your core product or what you offer. So how do you guys even get started on that? Is it customer loyalty? Is it email newsletters? And is it giving the curated lists on a weekly basis? What does it look like to start with? And I assume you started in one place and you've landed in a completely different place based on these learnings. So I'm really curious how you guys got started into it and the successes you've seen within that. That's a meaty question. Yeah, yeah there's a lot there. I think the easiest thing to, yeah, I think the way we think about it is your experience on Percy is directly related to the quality of the products that you see in your first user session. So when you open the app, I think we've got millions of items to show you and you're only gonna look at about 200 in, in your session. So. But it's also out of millions, that's a really small section of the catalog. It's critical that we understand as much about you and your fashion and shopping preferences as we can in those first few minutes. Otherwise, you're going to feel like the app's not for you. It'll be like a lot of other apps you've downloaded and you'll delete it or it'll sit in the back of your phone and you'll never open it again. And so it's critical that we understand your size, you know, where you are in the country. Is it hot where you are? Is it warm? Are you shopping for upcoming events that we could curate items for you um, and then share those with you over the course of the next week? Because that's what's most likely going to get you back and excited to use Curtsy again. Because the best things in a marketplace like Curtsy, they sell very quickly. You know, the best things last maybe a day or two. And so the likelihood that something that you're in love with is going to be present in that those first few minutes you use the app is, you know, you may not find anything that you love, but there's going to be a lot more stuff posted in the next week and the next month that you would likely like. And so we try to pull supply and demand from in the app and off the app at the same time. So we can jump into that later. But. And we also, just to clarify too, the, when you first download the app, the first thing you're jumped into is a style quiz. So you basically pick out the styles. We have, I don't know, like 26 different styles, feminine or more masculine. Or you go through and pick out different styles that you like. You set your size preference on everything from your shirt and dress and pants. You pick all of your size preferences and then you get to choose some brands, your favorite brands. And then you're popped into the app. And that's where we present you with your first kind of, it's a Spotify Discover Weekly-esque playlist, if you will, of these are the items in your style, your size and brands here's everything we think you'll love, right? And so we try to do that. That's what we are constantly, we don't ever stop working on improving basically the algorithm to show you the best things for you, just like Netflix has suggestions for you. And that's what we are constantly always working on improving. There's never a time where we're not trying to work on that. So that in general is probably where he started with retention of, that's like the most important thing for Curtsy is showing new users, just the best experience. And we view the best experience as being able to see items that you love and want as soon as you open the app. You don't have to hunt. You don't have to search. I think I mentioned this maybe to you on our, our first call, but 
We, a few years ago, saw an article of a different resale app advertising the amount of minutes that people spend in the app. And it was a high number, and they were talking about it in a good way. Oh, look, people are spending X amount of minutes in the app. And we all looked at that and we're like, we want to get that as short as possible in the sense that that means people, if they're buying, then they're seeing very quickly what they like. They don't have to hunt. They don't have to search. So in general, that's pretty much like our first hit at retention. But the other things that you mentioned, I think we started these as a way to build community. Curtsy started, we started Curtsy at Ole Miss in a small community of women. Then we moved to other SEC schools, not on purpose, but that's where we had friends at the time. And it's always been a really strong community-centered app. And that's what, to keep that community feeling strong and and women-centric, we started other things that now I view as retention. So we started a newsletter, a a monthly newsletter. Basically, here's everything that went down in the app last month. Sellers love that. We have a Facebook group that is primarily sellers, but you're invited into the Facebook group after you have made five successful sales. And that's a place that people can request features. People can talk about areas of the app they don't like. We am actively in that daily responding to people. We do a every other week Transparency Tuesday Instagram story where I hop on the Instagram story every Tuesday for about an hour and people write in questions and I just openly answer whatever question they've written in. So I think a lot of the things that we originally started as is to keep our community strong and to, to show us on the Instagram, looking back, we're actually retention-based, but at the time when we started that we weren't necessarily after retention, if you will. It's more like community building, but looking back, it definitely is retention-centered. Yeah, to me, what I heard you guys really say is that, uh, honestly, you start with getting to know whoever's coming to your app. It sounds like it's, you know, the retention part goes along with the relationship part, right? Like, I want to have this relationship with you, so give me this information so that I can curate what I want for you. And I also think that's a tactic that works for any brand or business, right? I think that you guys are in a position where it is an app and I love the style quiz. I'm all about the style quiz because I want to be able to craft things to my liking. I don't want to see something that I can't buy, but I'm obsessed with, especially like from a fashion like standpoint, right? Like, oh, that's really great. And now I'm going to covet it. And now I can't find it. So I think like off the bat, you guys are like getting as much information as possible. And I think data is really key for it. The other thing that I heard you say is community, which I love that you said that because that's where I was going to mentally. It's that community is such a huge part of retention. There's nothing like feeling like you're going back to a friendly place that knows you, that has this personalization for you in like the emails and what you're looking at in the app. Still the thought of viewing 200 things sounds like a lot, but who am I to judge? I know I probably scroll through way more than that on like Amazon. So, and TikTok combined. So like, I think where you guys started and how you use that information and that data to personalize things, I think is really key to like that retention piece of it. But I will say there are a lot of people that are very, let me use the word scared of like, how much data am I giving you? 
So how do you address that with your community? Do they just have that built in trust because it is a community and they're like, okay, they're going to do me a solid? Or do you find that there is that friction point when you are trying to personalize, keep it private, but also get as much data as humanly possible? Yeah, I, I think it's all you know, permission based. And you know, we try to explain that you, you're going to have a really bad experience. It's going to be similar to walking into a gigantic warehouse, the biggest warehouse thrift store you've ever been in, and you're going to have to sift through every single item. I mean, that, that's effectively what it would be. So we really try to uh, yeah, be sensitive in the way that we ask it and provide and make it fun at the same time. We try not to ask for too many personal identifying information only when we need to. So it's timely and relevant. And we take the, the privacy piece seriously and you know, make sure everything's, everything's encrypted and I think a lot of the the advertising issues that we've seen in the past past few years, you know, have, have largely been addressed by the the big big players in the marketplace. Yeah, we, we just try to be good stewards of the data and use it responsibly and really put the user first and in saying, okay, by asking for this additional data piece, will this allow us to give you a better experience and have you not have to spend hours searching through the app to find what you want, make that minutes, and yeah, just really give you a better experience is really how we approach the the data and privacy kind of balance. Do you find that you are asking for additional information then from the, the first survey? I don't know what you called it, the styling survey? No. It's style quiz. Yeah. Style quiz. There you go. Do you find that you need more information than what you have in the style quiz or are you getting, are you combining the original like style quiz with now the app data of like where are they spending their time and all of that stuff to create a super personalized experience? Is it the combination of both of those things that you find helps? Yes. Yeah. yeah. As you search for your favorite brands and the things that you click on and then go on to buy, we really use those signals to then feed our database of items to say, okay, you, know, you search for blue lemon a dozen times in your weekly review, guys. Okay, send us back to you. you know, in a similar way that Spotify picks out your favorite your artists and, and similar artists and trends, they create a suite of, of kind of playlists around that. We try to do a similar thing with in-app for, we call it for you. Yeah, and your sorry. little for you, you list. And when you first get curtsy, that's probably only coming from the style quiz. But then after you shop or after you search, then it'll import whatever you've searched or whatever you've been looking for. And that'll just be in your little for you list on Curtsy. Oh, I like that. Now, you guys have described the Spotify lists and we've described email. What other ways are you creating opportunities for community or to enhance the lifetime value of the customers who are coming in? What other tools are you using? Is it loyalty programs? What else? So one thing that I was thinking, and I don't even know if you would consider this necessarily retention, but like customer support, that also, I'm throwing that out there. As I mentioned earlier, I was the only CS rep, if you will, for the first two years. I did it day and night all the time. And that's been a really key focus of mine for sure and all of Curtsy forever is having the best customer support experience we could possibly offer. For one, that's what we like as shoppers or just people in general living our life. You remember when you have an excellent experience with somebody on customer support. You feel loyal to that brand. And so 
we try to keep our response times for under an hour, which for the industry standard is pretty insane. Most other companies in this general area are like two to four business days. Maybe you'll hear back. We've got an in-app chat with a real person. And what's funny is a lot of our CS team actually has relationships with people who are writing in because people are frequently writing in. So now that honestly is part of our community too, is our excellent customer support. We have people writing in all the time, sending in their suggestions, or we have several people who love finding different bugs and they'll send in, oh, hey, I just found this out. And so that is definitely an area where we differ from other companies in our industry is that we are a work to provide the best support that you can have where you leave and it's a wow experience. So that's not necessarily, I guess, something I was thinking about after yeah. retention, but I do think it plays into that for sure. So as far as like outbound retention, I think there's a couple of things that we do that try to bring you in. So when you... You know, first interact with the app. We encourage you to like a number of items and hopefully you go on to like several more. And we allow sellers to send you offers and discounts and promotions on those items in the following weeks after you've interacted with those. So you know, if you like something, it's $50 or maybe now it's 40 or it has free shipping. And so we like to notify customers of those things. So that brings you back in like, oh, okay, this item's now on sale. I've got a private author on this thing that I can now respond to. That's one way. Claire, I just mentioned the email newsletters. We also try to launch new features and announce that faster ways to sell product updates and launches of new collections and lists. So some brands will launch a fall collection. For us, we try to group together what would be our fall collection or the Eras Tour collection or the NFL collection. Or (laughs) fall trending or there's any number of lists that are, it's actually our social team who makes these, but it just provides a very curated experience when you're shopping. More akin to shopping on like a Revolve or a Nordstrom or some other store that doesn't feel necessarily resale. Yep. And we do communicate some with the customer base via our customer service channel. So we have the chat in the app, but we can make announcements through there as well. And we also run top of the funnel campaigns to incentivize and gamify some of the actions to have you create your own list in the app or like a series of items or categories and have giveaways and have winners on those things. And we see increased activity and then those a lot of that results in purchasing and you find a bunch of great items in the app that you didn't know you needed yet until you were looking for specific categories. So those are all some ways that we try to yeah, increase lifetime value of customers and give them a great experience. Yeah, like as you mentioned, I guess two weeks ago we ran like a, was it fall? I don't remember the name, fall. A fall campaign, basically, if you love five items in each of these different categories, you know, sweatpants, hoodies, XYZ, then you'd be entered in to win a $500 or $500 for you and then also $500 for a friend curtsy gift card. And so that definitely had everyone in the app, loving all of these items, super excited. And that also gets everyone very excited on social, tagging us, sharing the campaign. And so we do something similar to that, maybe once a month, I'd say, a few times a quarter. It sounds like you have a variety of ways to do that. I did want to rewind and just make a comment about your thought on the customer support, not necessarily being retention marketing. I think to your point, it's you know, and you're to your point as well, William, it is the 
touch points? What are you doing at every customer touch point? And are you fostering additional touch points as well too? So it sounds like what you guys are doing from a retention marketing standpoint is really trying to address all of that, right? What are our existing touch points? How are we engaging them? How can we identify other ones? And then I love that you said this, the gamification, because that was going to be my follow-up question. Is there gamification in there? Because I think in an app, it's very natural. I think we're all competitive or maybe that's just me. I don't know. We'll see. But I think there's a play for gamification when it's B2C, D2C support, and then outbound actual like, all right, these are the initiatives that we're going to do because we want to keep you engaged because it is really all about staying on on their minds and making sure that they have such good experiences. I think from a retention standpoint, if I feel seen, if I feel heard, if I feel like you really do get me, like that is, that's retention and that's you know, and then we're, when they're posting reviews, what do you do with those reviews as well, too? I think there's so many ways to just continue the cycle of what else can we do to surprise and delight, which is always feels like such a silly word, but it is also true. Like it's the surprise and delight moments that you're trying to foster with your customers because it's all about them staying with you. Absolutely. And some mm. of my favorite moments in the surprise and delight is when We'll have even on the Facebook page or somebody writes in and they might request a feature and maybe it's pretty small and easy to do. And this doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen where I read that on the Facebook page or DMs or wherever it is. I'm like, absolutely. This is something that I have been wanting and I just didn't know how to say it. So I will bring it to the team and everybody's on board. And sometimes we make the change, whatever it is, within a matter of days, being able to write back to that person and say, hey, Thank you for the feedback. Also, we added it to the app. It should be released on the app store in four days. That's the coolest ever. I absolutely love that because people, that's, again, that doesn't happen, you know, every day that we're able to get uh, feedback from a customer and then say, yes, that is perfect. We designed it and it's in the app. But when it does happen, it's awesome. Clearly, they are super excited and they spent time sending us that feedback, which Positive or negative, I always appreciate people sending us feedback. They've taken their time to tell us how they feel. It's up to us and what we do with that. But yeah, that's a surprise and delight factor that I love. I think it's so fun. No, I definitely agree with that. And it's those moments that matter. You definitely see them, you hear them. And one of the things that you're describing too is being agile and like you have to be agile in marketing to be able to to identify the trends and move in that direction. You can never be so stuck in your ways. I'm a very process-oriented person. So sometimes it can seem like, all right, we've got to follow this process, but process is in place so that you can be agile. So when Travis and Taylor go out to dinner, right? And you're looking at those outfits, for example, like you've curated two lists. What does it look like to be, I don't know what their combined name is. What are those looks as a couple, right? I think that's definitely part of it. Now, do you guys see any kind of emerging technologies and trends that could potentially impact just what you're doing from a retention standpoint. One of the things that immediately comes to mind is AI, but I don't know what your thoughts are in regards to that. Yeah. Yeah, we've used kind of machine learning for a while to try to get better recognition algorithms in a variety of places in the app. And we continue to to do, it feels like it's definitely getting better. And you know, we, we are working on some things to 
hopefully refine the you know, style categories, give you kind of a more in-depth kind of analysis, basically put to words what the algorithm is trying to curate for you. Yeah. Okay. Are you a Southern California, like boho style? Or are you a this, like Northwest, like granola? Rainy. Yeah. I'll know. Not to typecast Southern California versus Northern California. But. I know, my goodness. The Northwest, to me, that's like Sunday and Thursday. My style changes depending on the day of the week and the temperature outside. Sure. Well, are you multidimensional and you want to see a wide variety? You, know, you like a wide variety of things and you your style changes depending on, on the mood. You know, are you a chameleon changing on the atmosphere and where you are? Interesting. So, yeah, we, we do try to incorporate yeah, a variety of new technologies and it feels like from a consumer facing standpoint we've seen a lot with the like large language models and some of that technology has been around for a little while but i feel like it's definitely getting better people are more more excited to, to have uh, you know, ai recommendations than before yeah well and i think that while it has been around i think it's the adaptation of it in these either real world or other brand scenarios i think is really evolving it it's evolving it. That's the way that I view it. Because you're right, the, these things have been around for a while. But now when you apply a brand, and other brands are doing it as well, and there's apps and there's softwares that are leveraging it, all of a sudden, it's like this, oh, you got to get real good, because this is going to blow up. So I, I like that. I could talk to you guys forever. I do have one final question for you. There's no wand involved, Williams. So don't worry. <laughs> My final question for each of you is, if you knew then what you know now, what is the advice that you give to yourself from either a business or a marketing perspective? Business or marketing is hard. And I've said this before in a business sense. It is funny. Somebody was asking me recently about startups. And I think if I knew then, first of all, I'd say don't copy whatever what all the other companies maybe in your space are doing or just in general. I think that was kind of a tactic we employed like early on, very early curtsy days. We're like, oh, this is what other people are doing. Let's do it too. And then we quickly realized a lot of the times, by the time we would implement something we saw other people doing, they've actually already not, they're not doing that anymore. They found out it doesn't work. So I think not necessarily playing a copycat game, but what else? maybe in marketing, I think, what do you think? I like thinking independently of the good. I think that's a good takeaway. And yeah, really following your gut, I think it's a decent takeaway. Yes, absolutely. I think there's been plenty of times where we've had a gut instinct and other people have told us otherwise. We've decided to stick to our gut and it's worked out. So I think that too. And then starting Curtsy, we were so young, fresh out of or in college. So I think you're tempted to view, oh, what are all these older companies doing or people who have a lot of experience and wow, there's so much to take from people who have experience. I also think don't undersell yourself. You know, I think, yeah, thinking of doing what you think will work and sticking with your gut. Yeah, marketing business advice, I would give my former self. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I would just say stay in touch with the customer and really focus on on the experience as much as possible. And what I mean by focus on the experience is try to have as much of your business activities be user-facing. Uh, I think it's easy to get, yeah, pull them into the business and you work around the business rather than the things that are delivering value for your customers and not do more and make it better. And also the last thing I'll say is everyone always says don't mix business with pleasure, but we work a lot with 
high school people we've known, siblings, I think that truthfully is one of the reasons we have been, I guess, successful in the last eight years is because we were working with people that we felt sibling-like relationship. We can tell each other everything. We are honest, open, and transparent from the get-go. I think that was the advice was don't mix business with pleasure. And we did the exact opposite. Well, I think it's also like, it's the balance, right? You, you, I don't know if we talked about this online or before we hopped off or before we hopped on, but it's this balance that you're talking about, right? Like it really, if you guys were the same personality, if you both, you know, thought big picture, it probably wouldn't work as well as it does, which just it goes to show, and I think this is true in marketing departments as well, too. You want everybody to be strong, but you want them to be strong in what their function and their discipline is going to be and their personality fits. Like when you try to force things, that's when things go a little awry and you don't have like this transparent communication and communication is key. I think it's also about involving your friends, I think is a great thing. I mean, look at Seth Rogen, right? And Adam Sandler. Those are the more immediate ones that come to mind, but they've done a really great job at that, right? We've got a lot of celebrity name drops in this episode. I'm kind of proud of this, but I think there's something to be said about having this circle of trust that you can depend on. Business is hard. It's going to be hard. I'm sure that you guys have had challenging days where you're WTFing, like, what did we get ourselves into? And then you've got to be able to come out the other end of it. So I definitely think like, very sound words of wisdom at the end of it. I cannot thank you both enough. Thank you so much for coming on here and just kind of sharing your thoughts and sharing a little bit more about Curtsy. Absolutely. This was so fun. I really loved it. We have never done, we've never done anything like this, like podcasting together. I love it. Yeah. Sibling God. You guys did great. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much. That was Such a fun conversation. Nothing like getting a brother and sister on the line. If you normally listen to the audio, I think, you know, check out their dynamic on on YouTube. It was so much fun and it was completely awesome. I hope you are, though, ready now for my key takeaways of the episode. So the first key takeaway from this retention marketing focus is number one. Fostering a strong community is a pillar in retention marketing. I feel like we could put community on repeat when we're talking about marketing. I feel so passionately about this. Anyone that's been part of any one of the communities that I've either been on or worked with, you know exactly my passion for it. The one thing that really stood out, though, in our discussion today is the pivotal role of fostering a strong community. Community really enhances that lifetime value of customers. So, They're focused on building a vibrant community at Curtsy, which is amazing. They've implemented various approaches like providing top-notch customer support, offering real-time in-app chat with real people, and creating a dedicated Facebook group where their customers can freely share the feedback and suggestions. What I truly love in this whole process is those surprise and delight moments that they really look for. And granted, you know, those are just examples of how they do it. I think that there are creative ways to foster community in any business. I don't think it just has to be consumer focused. Key takeaway number two, use data, underline bolded, and machine learning to personalize customer experiences. You know, 
I just mentioned previously looking for just kind of wow moments, meaning those surprise and delight moments. But what do you do when you find them? Right? You have to do something with them. The data and the ability to personalize takes those identified wow opportunities and drives action behind them, right? So for example, Curtsy has a style quiz to collect initial data to personalize the experience for the user. With machine learning or AI, this is an opportunity for other brands to also foster those moments to engage with their community as well too. I think with just the development of AI, you're missing the boat if you're not already thinking, how can I incorporate this in what I'm doing? for my business. I guess that's more business advice there more than marketing, but I know that there are great ways to leverage that, leverage AI for marketing as well as for personalization and ultimately to create that community. The last one I have, this one's really just short and sweet. I'm a big fan of this, maybe because I'm very competitive, but my last key takeaway is one word, gamification. Big fan. I mean, honestly, who doesn't like a good scoreboard, right? But then again, like I said, it may just be me being competitive. But I think in marketing, incorporating gamification not only keeps people engaged, but it's also a great way to foster that community that we talked about. What did you take away from this episode? There was a lot of good nuggets. Slide into my DMs on LinkedIn or comment on the post on the Let's Talk Marketing LinkedIn page. Let's get the conversation going. Let's get some engagement. A special thank you to my podcast producers, the amazing team at Content Allies. And to you, thank you for spending the time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off.